Well, it's been a crazy week. I started out in Manchester. I flew into Manchester, England, trying to get over to jet lag. I, next day, I headed over to Fifield, England, and I'm still not sure exactly where that was, but I know I had a good time there and met a lot of good people. Played a little folk club there. I was told that the Tour de France came through just a couple days earlier, and that confused me because I thought that that took place in France and not in England. You can add one more thing to the list of things I know absolutely nothing about. So the next day I went over to Cardiff, Wales, and had a little bit of extra time, so I went and went to the castle there, Cardiff Castle. Really cool looking area. Did some fun touristy stuff. I got to stand about two feet away from a great big owl. It was a big owl. It was almost as big as a dog. And that was pretty great. And then the next day, I went on to Liverpool, played a sold-out show for some really nice people. And I got to the venue only to realize that it was right next to the Cavern Club where the Beatles used to play. And it reminded me of some of the Cavern Club stories that Ian Hunter and uh, Delbert McClinton told on this show. So I got to talk about that a little bit on stage. And I came into Birmingham where I'm at right now, and I play tonight. And tomorrow, I believe I'm in Brighton and then Norwich, and then I go on up to see my friends in Gateshead. It's going to be a busy, busy week, and uh, I hope I get to see some of you guys at the shows. friends this is otis gibbs and you're listening to thanks for giving a damn i'm sitting here in my hotel room in birmingham england this is a personal journal this is a bit of an experiment i like to say right up front that i haven't the slightest idea what i'm doing but i decided to do it anyway and this show was founded with the idea that there are only two people in art that matter there's a creative individual and the person experiencing it and everything else is an artificial filter this is a way for me to share things with you guys without any filters whatsoever My guest this week is Scott H. Byram. Scott is a singer and a songwriter who lives in Austin, Texas. You can find out everything you need to know about Scott at scottbyram.com. I met up with Scott at a hotel room in Nashville when he was in town playing the Exit Inn. And we sat there and talked for quite a bit. He's a really good guy. He was really energetic and he had a lot of great stories. He's been up and down the road quite a few times in his lifetime and has acquired uh, quite a few experiences. And uh, I really appreciate him being nice enough to share these stories with you. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Here's Scott H. Byram. Living in San Marcos, that's halfway between Austin and San Antonio. So, and, and I lived in... I actually lived in a little town called Prairie Lee, which was a really small town, and we didn't have cable until we moved to San Marcos when I was in eighth grade. Um, so I didn't even have MTV or, or anything like that growing up until I was, you know, in junior high. We got we had an antenna, so we got San Antonio news and we got Austin news, and we always got a lot of different, you know, kind of things. Like Austin, they're having a hippie parade. San Antonio, three people got stabbed in the neck and found in a hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what the difference was between the, the two uh, news stations there. Yeah. When I was, uh, let's say, six or seven, 80 or 81, something like that, got to see Doc Watson at the Armadillo World Headquarters. 
with Merle Watson uh, playing, accompanying him before he died, and um, it was it's just a good memory. All the hippies on the blankets out in the, you know, and it, it wasn't like everybody was standing up in the middle of the crowd. It was like everybody had their blankets on the concrete floor, and we're like dancing, man. And, you know, I remember the smell of pot wafting around, and but uh, you know, I always explain to people when when they ask about the armadillo or when I tell them about the armadillo that it it was. Everybody played there. Muddy Waters played there. Ray Charles played there. Frank Zappa played there. There's a story about some lady ordering some nachos at happy hour in the beer garden there once, and Frank Zappa brought her nachos out. <laughs> it's the first place ACDC ever played in uh, in North America. And uh, Talking Heads played there. Commander Cody. There's an album, the Commander Cody, uh, live at the in the heart of Texas, live from the Armadillo World Headquarters. And I think my uncle was at that show. And... That's a that's a record I grew up on. I've heard that Springsteen's first gig in Texas was opening for Willie Nelson at the Armadillo. That sounds familiar. I think that's right. When I was little and still today, my my dad uh, my dad always listened to uh, Doc Watson and uh, Lead Belly and Light, Lightning Hopkins. I remember the first time I ever went to a record store, or my first memory of being in a record store was when I was about two and a half years old, and. My dad bought this uh, Lightning uh, Hopkins record, and it has like this picture of Lightning. It's like like a drawing of him with this this uh, electricity shooting off of him and everything. And in the little town we lived in until I was three, Fentress, Texas, which is only three miles from Prairie Lee, <laughs> uh, and all of this is only ten or fifteen miles from San Marcos. So so basically, always around that area, um, they filmed Lead Billy the movie in our town there and uh that's when i was like a year and a half old or something my dad was holding me on the and we were standing on the set next to it watching them film uh lead billy and ernie hudson the dude that from uh, ghostbusters uh he he uh he asked my dad if he knew where to get any weed (laughs) 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 and um but they made a soundtrack to that movie and uh, it's not Lead Belly on it. It's uh, some of it's Sunny Terry and Brownie McGee, and some of it is someone called High Tide Harris, which I've never been able to find anything else from this guy. And I'm wondering if it's somebody else that had to use a different name because of a record contract or something. Um, but I grew up on that soundtrack. I had the opportunity to to uh, play with Hassel a few times. Uh, one time. I just sat in on Valentine's Day with my friends, the Weary Boys, that used to play my my old records, and uh, and uh, they were opening for him. And uh, we did Truck Driver that night. My song with the Weary Boys backed me up on, and then and then Hassel came up there and played, and he played for like thirty minutes and threw his guitar against the wall and was <laughs> done with that. But another time, uh, Joe Buck, Joe Buck yourself. And, uh, and me, we were on tour. It was his first tour um, as a one-man band. It was called the one, Battle of the One-Man Bands. And it had, we had T-shirts with, with these boxing guys' uh, bodies with our heads on it, like we were fighting each other. We had this gig with uh, Hassel Atkins in uh, South Bend, Indiana. And it got to be about three days before we found out, oh, no, they're closing down the club. But the guy still wants to have the show. So... They set it up in the backyard in a tent of a satellite repair shop in Niles, Michigan. Uh, yeah. And uh, 
we got there and it was just like out in the middle of nowhere satellite repair shop um one tent in the back and hillbillies everywhere this one guy comes up to joe buck and he goes hey man you're that guy plays bass for hank williams jr the third you're like oh shit we hear this lady go i mean there was only like 30 people there and this lady goes somebody stole my car and then and then this other guy comes around the other side of the house and goes somebody just ran into my car and then we see this junker going down the road like just like real slow and about 20 people chasing after it and it would stop for a second and then it would and then would haul ass for a little bit longer (laughs) and they're like what the hell's going on man and so obviously they knew whoever it was that stole their car and ran into their car because there was only 30 people there. But so that was weird. And then, uh, came time for hassle to play. I played and then, and then he got up there and, uh, he had like, uh, four bottles of water sitting next to him, which we found out later were vodka. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, you know, everybody always talks about him playing really short sets and, you know, getting aggravated and being done and everything. Well, this night, it was just uh, a bunch of people sitting on the grass watching uh, watching him play, and he did like a, a history of rock and roll uh, for like an hour and a half or something. He played, and he'd play like this little part of a Elvis song. Y'all like Elvis? This is an Elvis song. This is my first one he recorded. And then we'd be halfway through that, and this is when George Bush was president. He's like, y'all like Bush? I don't know if I like Bush. <laughs> and then, and then uh, by the end of the night, you know, he was really drunk and he's sitting in, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jim Tucci was his, uh, was his sidekick, uh, manager, road manager guy. And they were traveling around in a, in a Camaro, man, like a eighties Camaro. And, uh, he's sitting, I don't know. I mean, I guess that was what they were in. But he was sitting in the in the passenger seat of it, and I was like, "Hassel, it's really nice to meet you, man. Thanks for playing. I was hoping you were gonna play happy tonight." And he's like, "Oh, I would play, I'll play. Oh, I'm happy. Yes, I'm happy." <laughs> and he just kind of said it for a second like that, and then that was kind of kind of it, man. But uh, he was he was in a really good mood though, so it was a uh, it was a uh, definitely a a good uh, blessing in my life to have that few moments. No, I mean, we, it was just a wild tour in general. I mean, uh, they were on their tour bus, and we were in our van, and that's back when I wasn't really as hardcore about touring as I am now. I would go on maybe two tours a year back then. Now, you know, I'm on like six or eight tours a year. And, um, and so we had to follow them everywhere, and we drove through so many blizzards in Utah where where we'd hear on the radio that they closed down the road like 20 minutes after we passed through there and then you couldn't see anything but maybe some taillights in front of you and we just followed those taillights and even if they drove off the cliff then we would have driven off too but you know they'd drive overnight in their bus so they'd always get places a lot sooner than we would and it was pretty rough I was just drinking red wine then I didn't realize it was bad for your voice back then so I was just drinking red wine and I made up this drink called a bullshit, which was red wine with Red Bull poured in it. <laughs> and it was bullshit, man. <laughs> so three started playing, uh, uh, drinking wine, spooty Udy, drinking wine every night and dedicating it to me. You know? It was just a long, grueling tour, that one. We left them with a bunch of fireworks at the, at the end of the night on the last day of the tour, and 
let them get into their own trouble. (laughs) (laughs) We drove away. I refer to drinking Red Bull as licking a dog's ass. Yeah. I've never tasted a dog's ass, but I think (laughs) if I tasted it, it would taste like Red Bull, and it would probably wake me up, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this dude in France, my friend Greg, he calls himself Greg Eastwood. Now he calls himself Greg Josie Wales on Facebook. He, we were in Bordeaux one time, and he's like, if you want to taste what my ass tastes like, you will eat this cheese. <laughs> <laughs> it was good cheese. You just didn't want to smell it before you ate it. You know? <laughs> it happens a lot, you know. I only have so much patience. I understand people want to hear certain songs, but I have, you know, around 500 songs, and I can't play them all every night. And sometimes... I haven't played them in six months or a year and I can't just pull them out of my ass and, and play them. And I, I, you know, I want to put on a show that sounds like I know what I'm doing, which I kind of (laughs) do, but, uh, yeah, she was just, uh, I guess had come from a long way away and had seen me down in, uh, in, uh, near Chattanooga a long time ago at a tattoo shop and, and, uh, she was yelling some song out over and over again. But then she was like, she was yelling it in the middle of the songs when I was playing the other songs. And I was like, sorry, I can't do it. And I was just polite and polite, polite and polite. And, uh, and then it starts making these faces at me like I'm an asshole for not playing the song. And, uh, and then she mooned me. And then, and then, uh, I, I still didn't do anything. I think I flipped her off right when I got off because she was just being so obnoxious to me. And, uh, oh, and she like spilled beer all over the stage and, I go to the uh, the merch booth and I'm kind of hiding behind the merch booth and this other girl's like, he's already on the bus. He's on the bus. I don't have a bus, <laughs> but it sounded good at the time. And then she's like still just trying to like give me a hard time and the show's already over and everything. I'm just like, leave me alone, man. But I, I don't, I don't want those things to happen. I don't, I don't want to be mean to people or anything. It's just sometimes people don't understand that you're a human being and you know, sometimes I feel like a teddy bear getting pulled two different directions and ripped. Start having anxiety attacks pretty bad. Sometimes I'm playing a slow song and people are just like standing right in the front having a conversation about what kind of conditioner they use to keep their dreadlocks from frizzing out. <laughs> and if I can hear the content of your conversation while I'm playing, then I'm going to say something to you about it. But, you know, I, I've curbed the... Uh, the uh, angry man thing quite a bit over the years, especially since I don't have that Jameson on my rider anymore. <laughs> I used to have a bottle of Jameson on my rider. Uh, the, the Bob log tour, my sound guy and I, we drank, uh, we had 42 shows, no, 40 shows in 42 days, which is insane. And, uh, my sound guy and I drank a bottle of Jameson between the two of us every night for 40 nights and some of Bob's scotch. Oh yeah, man. We've had uh, lots of uh, vandalism things. Sometimes they're uh, they're uh, they're due to comments I've made from the stage. Uh, sometimes they're due. They're, they're almost all due to people being drunk. Uh, one time we got our van, my brand new van, my old black van, got completely carved up. It said New York on the hood with a key thing and a smiley face and a picture of a dick and all this stuff. A brand new van. And it's all because this drunk guy was in the parking lot when we were parking and he started talking shit to us. And my friend was like, what are you talking about? And, and he's like, where are you from, New York? And my friend's like, no, I'm from Miami. And, uh, and then the, the hotel let us park up close to the hotel. And he still, the next morning, it, it, had, it was all carved up. Got that fixed. Um, one time, uh, 
my van's tires got slashed in Atlanta. That was because a guy jumped up on the stage dressed as the devil after after on my last song. And I said, get off the stage, man. And he said, he said, I work here. It's cool. I said, I don't care. This isn't the Muppet Show. Get the fuck off my stage. <laughs> and he's like, uh, and I was thinking the Charlie Daniels on the Muppet Show when the demons came down. <laughs> uh, but, but he's like, uh, I work here. And I was like, get off the stage or I'm going to punch you in the stomach. And he's like, I work here. So I just punched him in the stomach and he went off the stage. And then later on backstage, he's like, or immediately after that backstage, he's like, uh, I dare you to punch me in the stomach again. I said, well, stick around. I got to go do this encore. I go out there and I took all my clothes off and I got the bullhorn and I did an acapella gospel song naked in front of a packed house. <laughs> uh, and then, then I came downstairs uh, later and my, my, uh, my tires were slashed on my van. So I think the devil went down to Georgia <laughs> looking for some tires to slash. <laughs> and um but then yeah this last one uh vandalism 101 uh, it's like you gotta underline the van and vandalism i guess uh brooklyn okay so i got my oil changed in texas before the whole tour started just got a brand new van uh and uh and the guy at the at the oil change place goes oh you're going to new york oh i'm surprised you've never been tagged and i was like oh thanks man you just jinxed me and then we're in Brooklyn. We hang out after the show. My my roadie goes down to the van at four thirty in the morning, and he's like, he comes back up, and he's like, "Man, you're not gonna like this." <laughs> and somebody, I think, in the same building we were in, had thrown paint balloons at a billboard across, uh, like another building down, and and we're and just threw paint balloons at the billboard, and we were parked right below it, and we just got all this latex paint thrown all over my brand new van. I mean, seriously, it had less than 3,000 miles on it when we left Texas. It, it's only like three months old. But uh, we took it to the car wash yesterday, a week later, after it's been baked on for a while, and climbed up on top of it, and we scraped it the best we could, and it looks pretty good now. I think I'm going to try some more when I get home. It was, uh, you know, I handled it pretty good, considering my temper, man. Usually I, I, would, I would freak out, and I'd, I'd have a... I'd be all bummed about it for weeks, you know, but uh, I just kind of was like, shit happens, and nothing I could do about it except for try to clean it off. Uh, in 2003, March uh, March 25th, 2003, uh, I um, I used to live out in the country in Kingsbury, Texas, which was uh, just about 12 miles outside of San Marcos. Uh, San Marcos is about 30 miles from from uh, Austin, so this is on the other side. I, I had a show in San Marcos that night. My friend asked me to play, and I was like, sure. I drove into town in the daytime to go eat, and I was going to go to the record store. I went and I ate my last meal. <laughs> I went to this Italian restaurant that was in the Taco Bell that we used to, it used to be a Taco Bell. It was where we used to hang out in high school, you know, and that's where everybody met up. Then we went to the record store that I used to work at, Sundance Records, um, and I bought uh, Ain't I'm a Dog and Whistlebait, the rockabilly, uh, old 50s rockabilly uh, box set, I mean, uh, compilations. And then drove down the road, past my high school. I remember I, I called my mom and talked to her on the phone for a second, and it was about 10 minutes after that when I was almost to the turnoff 
I was already out in the country and then almost at the turn off down the country road that went to my my house uh, and a 18 wheeler came over the hill I don't remember any of this this is just what I know happened you know uh, 18 wheeler came over the hill I'm on a four lane undivided highway so two lanes going one way two lanes going the other no median um, I'm going I'm slowing down to about 55 I'm you're getting ready to turn so I'm coming down from going 70 75 18 wheeler comes up over the hill it's not a very big hill and there was a car parked uh, or sitting in the in the inside lane waiting to turn in front of me it, it was coming towards me and, and uh, another car came up behind that one and uh, they saw the 18 wheeler coming over the, the hill and the guy was like uh, screwing with his phone or something imagine that and uh, the person in the back saw the truck coming behind them in their rearview mirror and swerved into uh, the other lane in still going the right direction and everything um, but when the trucker looked up there was a stopped car waiting to turn and a car that had just started off on the in the other lane. And so he threw on his brakes and something happened that made him just go straight into oncoming traffic. And he just drove straight over the top of my truck. And then we spun around and then he hit it again. If anybody had been with me, they would have been dead. I lucked out. Uh, you can see it on YouTube and stuff. There's a, there's a video of it, of the, them getting me out of the truck. Um, the, he hit me at enough of an angle. The driver's side window went around me, and my and when you see the pictures of the truck. It's just the cr truck is crushed down, and the, the seat is sticking out of that hole where the driver's side window went around it. And uh, and my knees and legs had all been broken because the the front of the truck got squished in towards me, and I was trapped there for about twenty five minutes. The only thing I remember is the state trooper asking me. Um, my dad's phone number, and um, uh, and then I remember some gold upholstery on the door of the helicopter, and I sometimes I get these glimpses of being on the gurney coming off of the helicopter, but I'm not sure if that's if that's just my mind making that up or not. Uh, I woke up, uh, I had a broken femur, uh, compound fracture, so it came out of my skin. Uh, a broken uh, knee broken in several places, um, a uh, foot that had been kind of broken in half and bent in half, um, a compound fracture in my right forearm uh, where the bone had come out, and, uh, and then uh, a foot and a half of my intestine had to be removed immediately before I had even woke up from that uh, because uh, my small intestine got... Uh, my my intestine had been separated from my colon, and I was bleeding internally. Um, so ripped away. Yeah, oh. it was from it was from the uh, steering wheel hitting me so hard. I was wearing my seatbelt, but it just got squished in. You know, like. Uh, but I woke up in the hospital, and my <laughs> my dad goes, "Do you know why you're here?" And I was intubated. I had the hose down my throat and everything, and I just shook my head no. And he said, "You were hit by an eighteen wheeler," and I. I made the symbol like I was honking a, a, a big rig horn, <laughs> and then I flipped the bird. And uh, and then I started spelling the word tour with my hands. My my dad is like, plus? And I was like, no, I was trying to write a T. I was trying to write the word tour, because that was the first thing I was concerned about when I woke up, is if I was still going to be able to make my tour that I had just spent so much time booking. And uh, that wasn't going to happen. So it was a crazy experience, you know. They had me on a lot of drugs. 
tried to escape from the hospital at one time because I was <laughs> on so much morphine. I thought I was, I, they flew me into a, a military hospital. So I thought I was behind enemy lines. And <laughs> it was pretty crazy. <laughs> Didn't you play just like a month later? Or? Yeah. Um, they, uh, I, I played a, a 45 minute set at the Continental Club in Austin. Um, my friends uh, lifted my wheelchair up onto the stage. And then I moved from the wheelchair over onto a, like a stool or something. And then they had a uh, an IV on a on one of those things that rolls next to you. And they put that next to me. And then I played. The doctor said I, I shouldn't stomp my foot, but it just started going. So, you know, I, I was back in action. <laughs> well, that's pretty damn hardcore, man. Yeah. Well, I was sick of being in a hospital bed, you know. And I wanted to – I had my first Lone Star that night uh, after the wreck, you know. Don't, don't mix uh, Percocet and, 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 and alcohol, but, you know, had one more stuff. Um, man, this year I, uh, I plowed up my garden. I don't have a very big garden because I live kind of in the suburbs of Austin. And I want to get a place back in the country again and be able to move my studio into a separate building so I <laughs> don't drive people crazy anymore. And live in the country so I can walk around in my backyard naked again like I used to. So lay in my baby swimming pool. Pee off the back porch. Yeah, all that stuff. I still do that anyway. I love that. <laughs> uh, but, uh, no, I plowed up my garden and, uh, and got it all ready and put new soil in it and everything. And, uh, and then I had to go on tour. So now I have a really nice, healthy, ivy weed mess growing in my backyard. <laughs> um, last year I had a pretty nice garden, though. Uh, trying to keep up the, keep up the tradition. My my grandpa has always been a, a big gardener, and you know, uh, I think that's something that would make him proud when I when I got some some good stuff growing. Chickens, you know, I don't even like eggs that much. I don't kill them and eat them or anything. I just kind of keep them as pets. They're just interesting to have, and it's a good hobby to you know to keep them and uh, and. Uh, Explain to my girlfriend that something sometimes things happen <laughs> like, like dogs eating their heads off or <laughs> possums chewing their guts out or whatever you know <laughs> I got two right now but uh I'm trying to keep it down to a small amount because I think it drives drives my neighbors crazy all the time. when you get about seven of them they all get off time with each other and like and it just keeps going. I'm just like sitting in my bed in the morning going, oh man, my neighbors hate me. <laughs> yeah, there's no there's no vegetables or anything growing in the garden right now because I never got around to planting anything. I, I got the whole garden ready and then just ran out of time. I got some uh, some chives from last year growing, I guess. Those, those keep going. Well, I appreciate you chatting with me, man. My pleasure, man. Thanks for coming. I hope you have safe travels back, back to Austin. Safe fish. Safe fish. <laughs> That's how I live my life. All right. Thanks, man. <laughs> thanks. I'd like to thank everybody for listening in, and I'd like to thank Scott for meeting up with me at that hotel room in Nashville. And you can find out everything you need to know about Scott at scottbyram.com. If you'd like to help support this show, just go to otisgibbs.com and you can pick up a CD, a t-shirt, you can download any record I've ever made, you can buy one of my photographic prints, you can buy one of Amy's records, you can buy one of Amy's children's books, but anything that you buy, we'll mail from our living room to yours and we'll even put in a little thank you note. 
If you'd like to help out but you're a little short on cash, just go to iTunes and leave us a five-star review. Leave a comment. Subscribe while you're there and you'll get a brand new episode free every Wednesday. But if you enjoy this show, or you enjoy my music, or you enjoy Amy's music, please take the time to tell a friend and help us spread the word. And if you'd like to send us a message, we'd love to hear from you. Just send it to info at otisgibbs.com. I'm Otis Gibbs. Thanks for giving a damn.